Josh. What's up? Oh, hey, Emily. I think we're stuck. What do you mean? There's a boulder in our path, and I can't blow it up. I tried all my bombs and everything. Allow me. Oh, but let me pick you up and move you to a safer spot first. Huh. <laughs> what the heck? You just punched it? Yeah. Turns out you were right about this monk skill tree. I'm super strong. Ah, oh, well, I knew this day would come. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not great with change, but I'm very happy for you. Wait, what? I thought I was asking about your broken leg. Oh, yeah, that's doing okay too, I guess. Um, how about we take a break and listen to some tunes while you absorb this new paradigm? Sounds like a plan. Here, I'll move you to this comfier looking patch of grass. I will get used to this. Hey everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week, we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. Alright. Are you comfy? You want to get started? Yeah, well, hang on. Let me just roll over so that my broken <laughs> leg is resting on my other leg. Okay. Alright, excellent. Let's jump right into the first track. This comes to us from Patron Spritz. The game is Mega Man Zero 3 for the Game Boy Advance. The track is For Endless Fight 3. And the composers on this game were Ippo Yamada, Mizaki Suzuki, Tsutomu Kurihara, and Luna Umagaki. And this has an audio testimonial, so get ready for that. Here we go.
All right, and Spritz says in his own words. For Endless Fight 3. It was endless the first two times as well. Take a weapon, stand with me, and prepare for another eternity. Those who are new, let me tell you how we got here. I say it started in 1987. 2000X. It was a different song then. A classic Manami Metsume number closed out Mega Man 1. You may know the line. The never-ending battle continues until all destructive forces are eliminated. Fight, Mega Man, for everlasting peace. And you may know about the little link to the future. That same song was used again in Mega Man 2's opening. It's an iconic sequence. A city at night. A pan up a skyscraper. The old music transitions to new. And there is Rockman, ready for more, wind in his hair. There was more. We are in the Mega Man Zero series. Set centuries of fighting later more than a decade of games from the NES to the GBA. Here's the point. This melody first appeared at 01's ending and next in 02's beginning. Yamada made a link to the future out of that link to the future. For Endless Fight 1 in case you missed it. I'll leave this world to you, said X to Zero. Words gave me goosebumps. He was talking about the fight on the world's behalf. Please allow me to rest in peace for a while. So be it, answered Zero once he picked himself up off the desert floor. But that's why we are the best partners. I'll do what you want. Rest a while. For Endless Fight 2, beginning of the next game. Dang sand was everywhere, trying to cut your face to ribbons. No way to tell exactly how long it had been. But Zero was still fighting. Biggest badass on the planet and even his mechanical body was starting to fail. We got him home. So, what are we doing here at Endless Fight the Third? It's a stage theme from the middle of the third game. Remember how that bright young spark solved our problem just now? Invented a new power source. No more scarcity. No more reason to fight. Didn't make a lick of difference. The truce just ended. Same opponent. Same conflict. An evil from long ago has a hand in this. Same sand too. 
Let's go! The games of the Zero series were the first Mega Man games I played. The sense of history in them was palpable even then. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yes. Cool. A sense of history so palpable that I am overwhelmed by all the information I don't have about Mega Man. I feel like I'm leaving a cave and squinting in the sunlight <laughs> as uh, the storyteller continues his tale by firelight, you know, in about, whatever, 300 BC in France or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's funny that you say that because as I was listening to Spritz's testimonial, I was thinking, I feel like I'm in a museum exhibit with oh. a narrator, like leading me through the history of something. Yeah. So that kind of fits. No, I feel like I'm in the history of, of storytelling. When he's oh, talking. I see. Yeah. So I've made the link to the future in that I am then in the museum exhibit. Yeah. Listening to another storyteller tell the story of your story. Yeah. Yeah. Also, France is not great because he wasn't speaking French, but I think they were probably telling a lot of stories in caves in France in, you know, 300 BC. In that right. Area. Um, probably also, though, wherever Spritz is from. Wait, no. Not. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere in the world. Yeah, I was going to say, I think but, caves so, might be a universal thing. Well, Spritz is from Australia, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so they, um, there were Aborigines, 300 BC. Yep. And they were certainly telling stories. Yep. We talked a little bit about Aborigines and how they integrated certain, um, certain other ceremonies into their storytelling earlier. Remember you that? mean maybe like a year and a half ago? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go back and check that out. Uh, it's about the Aborigines being Jews, which is a little known. I can't tell if you're serious now. No, I'm just kidding. They just share the circumcision. They share the circumcision. That's right. Okay, uh, I am thinking of the same thing. Ceremony. Yeah. That ceremony looms large in your mind. This I is like the third time you've referenced it. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You didn't even have to go through it, and yet it made such an impact on you. Yeah. So this is the story that you might hear right before you get, you know, before you come of age. Right. In a ceremonial way. And then it stays with you forever. Yeah. And the sand is everywhere. Yeah. I like that he said that, the same sand, too. So speaking of following the thread, he, he, so Spritz did a lot of research for this testimonial. Mm. Uh, maybe it's gameplay research because it sounds like he's played all of these games, but I really enjoyed hearing the travel of the tune through the Mega Man games. I did not oh, yeah. know until yeah. this moment that the first movement of the title theme to Mega Man 2 was a callback to Mega Man 1 because I've never played Mega Man 1 mm -hmm. yet, but thanks to Wicked Sephiroth, there will be a Mega Man marathon in my future. But that's yeah. really cool. I didn't know that that was 
a, a reference or a callback. I thought it was just, you know, a creative decision. I gotta say, it didn't sound like a Mega Man game at all to me. Mm. From I, Maybe it has to do with the Game Boy Advance hardware or whatever. Oh, the song, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, the sound. Yeah. Yeah. I'm used to a lot more of a Nintendo-y pixelated audio sound to it, you know? But that yeah. sounded like it was, like, programmed for like a computer or something. Yeah, it sounds Secret of Monkey Islandish to me. Yeah. It's got this groovy bass line. The samples are gritty, yeah. Yeah, they are. And I'm not sure where this would be in the game either. This doesn't sound like a stage theme. You know what it is? The samples are noisy. It's like, um... It's like they didn't close mic the instruments or something like that, so you get, like, the air sound with every note. It's yeah, It's kind of yep. weird. It's making me think of a... Japanese visual novel murder mystery game. Not the smooth golf tune type murder mystery games that you're into, but the other ones. The ones where you're creeping around a schoolhouse late at night. Oh, yeah. Because there know, have been rumors about a ghost of a, a girl who was once in classroom 402C or something. Speaking of, like, mystery games, um, I did get a special gift from uh, Utopia Nemo. Oh, yeah? He bought me Sword and Sorcery for my phone. Aww. Which was very cool of him, very sweet of him. That is it so sweet. It is like sweet. a like a mystery uh, kind of unfolding story. But man, I think he was he was maybe trying to kill me, Utopia Nemo. What? Cuz that first boss when it comes out, it is so scary. Really? I was so so scared. And I, and you have your headphones in and then yeah. the the music changes and just it's like the darkest feeling you can possibly imagine as uh, the first boss kind of hunts you down. My gosh, I was so scared. And then uh, then you finally fight him and you realize your health bar is bigger than his. <laughs> but um, before that, I was like, no, this is not happening. I am so scared. This is the scariest thing. Wow, I did not get a scary vibe at all from the... Um, I didn't even look at gameplay footage, I just looked at screenshots. It looked mm -hmm. so whimsical and slow-paced. It is whimsical. Well, yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why it's scary when it does break. Uh. You know, because you're kind of like, oh, this is fun, I'm exploring. And then there's just kind of like hints of something creepy. And then... Um, yeah, I don't know. If and I then the spoil nemesis it. shows up. Yeah, yeah. Out just, of nowhere. Yeah, just imagine. I'll I'll just so as not to spoil it. I'll just do a different scenario. But just imagine you're kind of exploring this old. Wait, house. wait. Can you tell the scenarios if it's us in the overworld? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. Okay. Like, remember that time when we had to explore that old lady's house to find um, the butter? <laughs> Remember that? 
Um, because we needed to butter the lock and... Oh, yeah, that's right. To use the, wow, that uh, was a weird puzzle. Yes. Yeah, that was a weird puzzle. But we had to... Uh, but then remember how there was that kind of creepy picture of her father and it was like hanging very high. Oh, and it was sort of like, it felt like it was looking at us. Yeah, and it was like, well, just imagine that right when we got the butter, that it picture actually became that man. And he was as tall as the picture was being hung. Oh, man. And then he's just like it. slowly walking and you're just trying, and you can't run because uh, we didn't have the A button back then. So we're just like walking out of the house as fast as we can. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have the running shoes equipped. Yeah. We were just strolling, trying to stroll faster. We're just trying That's to stroll out. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, come on, saunter a little bit more quickly. I'm pushing left as hard as I can. <laughs> Speaking of that, that so my true. thumbs get did get sore from playing uh, World Cup soccer. Yes. Because I'm always trying to, I don't know, put pressure on my guys to run across the field. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just destroying this NES controller right now. That is such a funny phenomenon, because that's true. We all do that. You push the button harder, even though you know it's going to make no difference. Or you mash it, even though you know that's not going to make any difference. You just can't help it. Yeah. That's funny. Just... Well, I'm glad you're enjoying that game. That was so nice of Utopian Emo as a get well gift to help mend your broken leg and or give you a heart attack, I guess, depending. Yeah. His motivations are as yet unclear. Yeah. We're just kidding, Utopian Emo. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, yeah. Um, I forgot. It's not my track next. I was about to segue, but I'm not. Can Did we? You have something else you wanted to say? Um. Yeah. I was just gonna say. I think we should try to step over each other's segues each time we do one. Oh, like, okay. Just like make every transition very awkward, and like you can see the seams, and like the the glue is crusting. You know, and, uh, you know, just make it really weird like that. All right. Well, we're off to a good start then, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This next track was recommended by Nathan99. This is from Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus. Cerber Cerberus? Cerberus. Cerberus. The song is called Redemption. The composer is gacked. And it's for the PS2. Let's take a listen. What else can I do besides avenge you? 
Writes. Emily mentioned Gact in this latest episode, and it immediately made me think of this game and this song. I remember downloading a couple of these Gact songs from this game just so I can jam out to them anywhere, even though at the time I had no idea what they were saying. Oh, thank you, Nathan99. I wonder, does he now know what they are saying? Yes. There oh, wow. are subtitles in that 
video link he sent us. Oh, I see. Of this song. I thought he like learned Japanese just so he could understand these gacked songs. I mean, that is possible too. I have not confirmed with him. I just assumed that he, you know, translated it, but uh wait, I assumed that he looked at the translations online. Oh, okay. But I like that story better. Yeah. And then he found out the most important word was actually in English. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I forget the circumstances of why I was talking about gacked. I don't actually know if you say gacked or gacked, by the way. Oh. I assumed probably. it was gacked because Japanese, but it's very much not a Japanese word right there, so it, they may say gacked to stylize it. I'm not sure. Um, but man, I love this guy's voice. Oh, yeah. And I do have one of his albums. And um, he... We were probably talking about him because I know that they based faces in some of the Final Fantasy games off of his face. That's probably why we were talking about it. I didn't know that he was involved in writing the music for any of the games, though. So that was a very interesting revelation for me. Gakuto-san, you might call him. Right. Or Gakuto-sama. Kamui Gakuto. Or, yeah, Kamui Gakuto. But, um, I'm looking at his Wikipedia entry right now. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting dude, actually. He's a songwriter, the singer, and an actor, and I guess a musician, too. When I was listening to the song, I thought, uh... Gokt must be in like a band. I didn't even know it was one guy. Because mm-hmm. the thing that stood out to me was actually the guitar playing. Uh, I thought the guitar was pretty creative and uh, had interesting character to it. It almost sounds like there's a there's like a violin, like an electric violin going on under the lead guitar. Yeah, part. there's something droning behind there. Yeah, that's interesting. It reminds me, just when the whole band is playing in full, that riff, it reminds me of this band, The Dam Builders, which I think I brought up on the show, so I won't do it again. Not the chorus. The chorus just sounds like very heavy. No, I know what you're talking about. It's just the guitars. Well, there's no vocals during the part you're referencing, right? It's right after the chorus, I think. Like the riff. So, all I know about Final Fantasy Dirge of Cerberus is that the main character is Vincent Valentine, who was a character in Final Fantasy VII. This game focuses on him. I believe he was the most popular character in the game. As I'm saying that, I'm hesitating because I don't actually know, but I feel like when people talk about Final Fantasy VII to me, they talk about Vincent Valentine. Uh, yeah. When I looked up Dirge of Cerberus, it was all pictures of this one guy. So... With the red bandana and the gold arm. He looks like he's wearing two identical belts on his neck (laughs) to cover his mouth, kind of. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But then, actually, that belt is, like, connected to his cloak. Um, yeah. Yes. Cool, cool. 
You know what? Yeah, trying to figure out Final Fantasy outfits is like following a Mobius strip. <laughs> I don't know how they design those things. I'm glad that Final Fantasy fans still listen to this show because I know they're real. And um, they're a very important part of the video game culture. Um, even though I don't get it at all. I, you know what, though? I'm starting to wonder, Final Fantasy, do you think they're kind of like the, uh, like the Final Fantasy franchise is sort of, I don't know, cutting edge, but maybe the vanguard of the whole Visual K thing? I don't really know enough about Visual K to say. I will tell you that in the video of my favorite Gokt song, which is called Oasis, yeah. he is wearing a cloak and has a robot arm and is wandering around a desert with sand everywhere, as Spritz would say, mm. and very much looks basically like Vincent Valentine. Has that same sort of aesthetic going on. You look like you're watching somebody acting out a video game when you watch that video. So there is a relation. I don't know what came first and what influenced what, but I think all of these influences have combined into Gokt in some way. Yeah. Well, like maybe just now at, at this point, Final Fantasy, when they design a game, they're like, we got to push this Visual K thing. We got to wow the, the Visual K aficionados. Mm. I don't know too much about Visual K, except I'm pretty sure if you're walking around in Little Tokyo uh, Wednesday afternoon and you see a guy with blonde hair and it's be and the spikes of his blonde hair are over six inches <laughs> in a particular direction and he's wearing a short cut like bright leather jacket and maybe um, some sort of uh, belt like a like a belt with studs from his mm -hmm. shoulder, like a sash, <laughs> and then also cool pants. I won't even try to imagine the pants right now. I think you're witnessing Visual K, and maybe yeah. the, I think they even like to like make their face pale sometimes and do like a little do like a little red eyeshadow. That's Visual K, right? What I know is that it's just very theatrical, that the stage productions, that when you go to a concert, you are going to a capital S show with, I want to say, you know, not just pyrotechnics, not just the band, but like tons of dancers and movements and, you know, theater. Somehow theater is involved. That's what I know. Oh, okay. You mean it? As a genre, like a musical style. No, I mean like a production. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like it's a, just a very. But it's a, but it is a concert. It is a music yes. show. Okay. Yes, it is, but it's it's like I don't know, interpretive dance. But isn't and... there also visual K on the street? Oh, probably. I mean, it is a genre of music, so. I was gonna say something else about visual K. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I also think that what we're witnessing is the birth of perhaps um, a friendly foil to definitely Daryl. Oh, no.
right? Yeah. Wouldn't this visual K character be like the other side of the coin? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I was trying to think of something. Certainly Cerberus. <laughs> and definitely Daryl is like, that guy totally ripped me off, man. I did my, I did a stupid thing and uh, I actually looked up Visual K. Oh, yeah? That's not stupid. It, it is stupid because then I realized to try to describe Visual K is really an exercise in uh, futility. You know, it's you can't do it. There's it must so, be experienced. There's so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad yeah. about my my uh, lone little Tokyo drifter now. <laughs> Tokyo drifter. <laughs> Maybe that's his that's his band name, Tokyo Drifter. Yeah. And he drives a really cool fast car that drifts. Yeah, probably flies. Flies a little. <laughs> yeah. Through space. So, just as an interesting note, when I was looking at the Wikipedia entry for Gok's contribution to this soundtrack, it was stated that the producers of the game had asked Gok to make this tune, which I guess is the ending theme, a ballad. And Gok said, okay, and then brought this back, <laughs> this very hard rock thing. And the company was like, oh, amazing, we'll use this just as it is. Oh, that's I cool. think that's really funny. Imagine if this were a ballad, how different that would have been. Mm. That's not not a ballad. It's not? I mean, it rocks, but it also has um, some elements of balladry, I think. I don't know. Elements of balladry? Yeah. Tokyo Drifters first album or new single no yeah. you're right you are right it does have these slow introspective moments I'm, I'm assuming they were imagining something more along the lines of like um, a piano thing yeah yeah like in Final Fantasy X Sutaki Dane it's a very lilting you know more classical Final Fantasy yeah sound. more like the Fatal Fury soundtrack something like that Oh Angel Something more like yes. that. Yes! <laughs> well, that's why we're talking about Gok. We were talking about Gok during that song. Oh, yeah, Because probably. the singer reminded me of his voice. Oh, finally! Finally that loose end gets tied. Thank you, Josh. Good job. Oh, yeah. Speaking of tying up loose ends... So I was... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, gluing messily over here. Please continue. Um, speaking of tying up loose ends and getting glue all over those ends and then, uh, using a stapler anyways. <laughs> and some spackle. I've got some spackle here in case we need it. And then forgetting what you're doing and then realizing that the Christmas lights actually don't even work and you should have checked before you oh, hung man. them all over the house. Oh, now we got to check every single individual bulb. Yeah, because it's the 80s. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, how about with all that in mind, we move on to our next track. All right. That sounds great. Okay. Our next track 
This is also a vocal track. We have a little bit of a vocal focus in the beginning of this episode. Not intentional, but when I pulled the tracks, I then grouped them together because it seemed like the right thing to do. This comes to us from Patron Sparadin. The game is The Flame in the Flood. The track is The Flame in the Flood. The composer is Chuck Reagan, and this was for the PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4, so let's have a listen to it. Sharp 
Sparadin writes, Okay, I've got an interesting question for you, VGMJB. Have you ever watched a trailer and been so utterly enchanted by what you saw and heard that you were hesitant or unwilling to play the game for fear of breaking the spell it had on you? The Flame and the Flood is a survival game where you try to make your way down an all-encompassing river in a post-apocalyptic flooded America with nothing but your rickety boat and faithful pet dog. The reviews say that this is one of the more brutal survival games, and I can believe it. I may never know, and that's okay. I've played enough games in the genre to know that, in order to survive, I would become so familiar with the mechanics and gameplay that somewhere along the way, the mystery, the magic, would dissolve like a fog lifting. It's the fog that's beautiful here to me, so I avoid playing. What does this haunting trailer say to you? To me, it is sad in a weary, bone-deep way, yet resolutely determined. It affects me emotionally, and I guess that's what I don't want to change. What really gets me every time I watch is the message that appears at the end. The hero succumbs to the exhaustion and sickness she has picked up over her journey. Her dog desperately tries to wake her up as the silhouettes of wolves appear on the edges of the screen. <laughs> All we are is what we leave behind. Oh, man. From the city lights of Tokyo to the wide open skies of yes. Texas, we go. Uh. And yet there's a, a lot of similarity between the previous two tracks, um, just in their, uh, in their production, I guess. They're both written and performed by an artist. Yes. Who made a song for the game. This one, Chuck Reagan, who's just Reagan it in for us. <laughs> oh, man. Those, those vocals are really heartfelt and beautiful. Yeah. And I did look this up to be sure that this wasn't just a commercial tune that had been reappropriated for the game. He yeah. was asked to do the soundtrack, and he was like, I am honored to do it. There's a quote on the Wikipedia page of his saying that he was honored to do it. Uh, what is... But that game didn't even exist. Why would he be honored to do it? What do you mean it didn't exist? Oh, it did exist? They, he, like, sent him a demo or something? Oh, you know what? No, um, let me look it up. It was because he either knew the company or... Let me see. The Flame. Or it's just like, oh, survival horror? I would be honored I get a pet dog. I would be honored. <laughs> Let me find this quote here. I can type so much faster with two hands. Post-apocalyptic scenario. 
I would be honored. <laughs> the soundtrack, this is from the Wikipedia page. The soundtrack for the game was made by Chuck Reagan, who said, quote, I'm completely honored to link up with the Molasses Flood team who've invited me to write an original score for the flame in the flood. Mm. So I don't know what the Molasses Flood team is, but that's a great name for something. I don't know. Did you know there actually was a Molasses Flood? Oh, I heard about that in uh, the East Coast, right? Yeah, it was in my area. New England. Yeah. yeah. Boston, in fact. Oh, Boston? There's a book about this that I've been meaning to read. It was okay. like a factory or something, right? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Oh. Um, a molasses storage tank burst and killed many people and injured a lot more. 1870 or something like that? Or do you know when nine, it happened? Nine, early 1900s. Okay. Uh, but yeah, somewhere around... 1870s too old early, yeah, some, some In the similar. past, but we still had the same sand back then as we do now. Man, do you want to hear the whole album? Because it exists. Yes, I do. I love this sound. I yeah. love this sound. I did not know who Chuck Reagan was, but uh, I looked him up immediately upon hearing those first guitar swells because this sounds so much like a band that I really love called Calexico. And I thought, is he one of the band members of Calexico? He is not. But those just swelling guitars, you said the wide open skies. When I listen to music like this, I really do see just endless expanses of skies in a desert landscape with just nothing anywhere. And uh, it gives me like, I have like butterflies in my stomach. I just love that sound. So good. It is. Do you have I, an answer to the question? Oh, um, I need to see the question again. The question was, have you ever watched a trailer and been so utterly enchanted by what you saw and heard that you were hesitant or unwilling to play the game for fear of breaking the spell it had on you? Every game? <laughs> Every game? <laughs> Every game? Every new game I see that comes out, I'm like, oh, that looks pretty cool. I hope it is for all the people who play it, and I usually don't play it. Wait, but what? Anything specific? I don't know. No, I can't think of one. Can you? I can think of something sort of related, but it's not quite the same. I, I have not decided that I don't want to play the game because of this, but I was profoundly affected by the trailer for Ori and the Blind Forest. I don't know if you've seen that. But the storytelling in this trailer with no words is like Pixar-level greatness. And Nathaniel showed it to me. He said, Emily, I gotta show you this trailer. This game looks so good. This trailer is so good. He shows me the trailer, and I burst into tears in the middle of it. It was so affecting. It was so good. I do want to play the game, though. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But that's the trailer uh, within recent memory I can think of for a game that really, like, did something to my insides. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Oh my god, it's so... Uh, <laughs> What's it called again? Ori, O-R-I, and the Blind Forest. Ori and the Blind Forest. Yeah. Do you want to watch... You know, I didn't actually watch this um, trailer that was linked to 
the flame and the flood. Do you want to watch this trailer? Oh. And then come back and comment on it? All right, sure. All right. Why don't we do that? And through the magic of editing, we will go away and and come back immediately. (laughs) 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 That ending, there are tears in my eyes right now. That was different from what I expected. Trying to get her up. Oh my gosh. I thought it was going to... I was, thought it was going to be more like a realistic style graphics, but those um, kind of quirky graphics really, really do work for me. Man, that looks pretty intense. Looks Did you really feel good. like so happy when she found that water bottle? Yes, I'm like, yes, oh my I God, did. There's a water bottle in that trash. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so patrons, just to give you an idea of what we were just watching, we were watching a, looks like an early teenage adolescent and her dog roaming around desolate landscapes with basically no one else in it. And as she's walking, it looks like modifiers are popping up constantly and they're all negative. It's like plus tired, yeah. plus fever, plus shivering, plus drenched. Yeah. Um, oh man. Poor thing, and she's, uh, you know, just trying to make use of different things. It looks like she turned a jeep into a boat and is, uh, fording it down a river or something like that. Yeah. Um, Some really intense Oregon Trail type sequences there. Yeah. She's got the heart of a champion. (laughs) Little (laughs) Boro. Um,. Uh, nice. Yeah, that that was a very captivating preview. So uh, probably one of the best ones I've seen. I need time to recover. When I switched my character class, I think I lost the ability to control my emotions as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think I need like a, a meditative timeout. All right. Well... While you take a time out, we'll move on to this next track. It was recommended by Polyester Ties. It's a game for the Game Boy, Double Dragon 2. This is Train Station 1, composed by Kazuo Sawa. Let's take a listen.
polyester ties, writes. I write this testimonial as a response to the topic broached in episode 68, Capture the Moment. A game I was forced into was Double Dragon 2 for the Game Boy. Growing up, my parents didn't put much stock into video games, seeing them as a waste of time and money. Consequently, I didn't obtain my first console until my brother-in-law gave me his Game Boy and games soon after he and my oldest sister were married. The two games were Tetris, of course, and Double Dragon 2. I played the heck out of those games until I was able to borrow Link's Awakening from a friend. I never beat Double Dragon 2 as I couldn't get past a certain boss with a chainsaw, though I got really close a few times. I was disappointed none of my friends ever had the game because I was sure that with a friend in two-player mode we could have easily beaten it. The Double Dragon 2 soundtrack, composer Kazuasawa, I believe, is quite country. Quite country. Sorry, yeah. Quite like the fire and the flood. <laughs> is quite crunchy in the way only Game Boy tracks can be. I'm submitting the track Train Station 1 for consideration by the patrons. This song is a frenetic jam. Forgive me if I named the instruments incorrectly, but. Section A is mostly a really juggy bass, followed by a shorter guitar, Section B, which raises the pitch and really ramps up the tension. Then it gets back down to the dirty, beating em up business in a repeat of Section A before the track loops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like that, Polyester Ties. Um, and yeah, this is a cool track. I had to listen to it twice before coming back in. I like juggy bass, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm good me too. On that. You know what? I'm glad that he brought up this uh, issue from episode 68 also about games that we were kind of stuck with. Yep. And then played and then ended up playing a lot. Right. And that's because I've been stuck in bed. So there Ooh, are, yes. have been games that I've been stuck with. And um, they were, you know, Magikarp Jump, which it's so dumb like I said I don't think I would be I don't know I might have played it some other way but it seems unlikely but it's do um, you play it in your most painful moments just to get your mind off of things kind of yeah I'm just like I'm gonna eat a berry okay okay I'm gonna do a training <laughs> sesh oh. uh, everything is just click but anyways enough about Magikarp Go which should never be spoken of Magikarp Go a Magikarp Jump I mean Pokemon Go with only Magikarp uh, Magic. Okay, I'll just say this about Magikarp Jump and Pokemon games in general. Yeah, I almost feel like they're psychology experience uh, experiments. I mean, yes, where they're just trying to see how much they can manipulate a person into clicking <laughs> yes. the next button. Yes. So like, yeah, and uh, there's no logical reason you should be moving forward in Magikarp Jump. It's just. Um, they just made a compulsive activity for human beings to do. Which they're good at. You know, over there at the Pokemon Company. No, but there is another game I was stuck with. It was Fantasy Star 2. I told you about that this last time, and I was playing it a lot. Um, I actually got pretty into it. Um, but unfortunately, the Sega Forever releases are really bad. In what way? Well, Fantasy... 
There have been complaints about frame rates dropping and the uh, sound is kind of bad. I wasn't really too worried about those things, but I did notice the sound being a little, little piercing. But the real problem was that the save feature only works sometimes. And oh it's, no! And it's not like you can... I would actually... I tried this one session where I played for about two hours maybe and I saved every 15 minutes or so on the yeah. different slots. Yeah. But then when I went back to play it again, that whole two hour session was gone. I was set back. None of those saves? None of the saves. Not I, one. Oh, you were being so good. You were being so on top of that. Yeah, no, it's more about like the sessions or something than it is about the slots. Like the slots don't really know what's up. Anyways, I had to play the same dungeon a few times. I was actually okay with that for a couple reasons. Um, well, for one thing, with Fantasy Star 2, I don't have an instruction book or anything. And so I actually ended up playing it in the hardest way possible, which is never equipping this one person to attack. I thought, oh. <laughs> I thought you could only defend and heal because I didn't know these, uh, like, iron... They're called, like, um, steel bars or something like that, and I just didn't think to try to equip this healer with something called steel bars. Right, yeah, because usually when you play RPGs like that, in a manual situation, it says... Druids can only wear cloth armor, yeah. and their preferred weapon is a mace, but they can also use bows. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no instruction manual. So, anyways, but um, and this, and I didn't mind. I didn't mind it in a certain way because I was always kind of lost in this dungeon, and so if I had to do it again, it would be easier each time I would go through it and stuff like right. that. And uh, I would have loved to have kept the grind uh, EXP, but even without that, I was getting much better. And uh, But then I went through the whole dungeon. I finally got the item that I wanted. I blew up this door, and then I got to this other... You know, I got this key, and I, I finally did all this stuff. And my team is was really strong. I uh, equipped the steel bars. I had a sword. I'm beginning to cringe. And uh, my other guy had a shotgun. And we were just like mowing people down, cruising, figuring out the lay of the dungeon. I mean, the game is pretty hard. It's like when you're in a dungeon, you are almost scared to push the wrong directional pad for fear of um, a random encounter. Right, so you don't want to waste even one step in the wrong direction. Yeah, because, yeah, they happen pretty frequently and they're pretty tough, especially if you didn't equip one of your characters. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) um, (laughs) So, yeah, I played the game on super hard mode without even knowing it. Anyways, though, I finally got through all this stuff and none of it got recorded. I ended up going back to a state previous to me even equipping my uh i don't know she's not really a girl she's like a an animal woman or something Mm -hmm. and uh with with the steel bars and i'm just like i even bought the game because an ad comes up each time you use the save feature unless Uh you buy it 
Uh -huh. This is only two bucks, but I'm like, maybe that ad thing is like screwing up the save feature. Right. So I bought it. Nope. Ugh. Nope. I had I took it off my phone. Um, but I did it. anyways. That that was just to say that if maybe if Utopia Nemo didn't get me sword and sorcery, I still would be playing that game. <laughs> just because I'm stuck with it, you know. I, you'd I be, felt stuck you'd with be saving it. five times at each save point. Yeah, and then oh, playing man. each dungeon twice and uh, buying everything two or three times. Ugh. Look, I have to tell you, the pain I feel for you is acute. <laughs> that is the worst situation to be in in an RPG. That is yeah. so frustrating. Yeah. Because it sucks all of your enthusiasm out, and then you can't even remember necessarily what you did. If you have to do the same area over several times because saves aren't working, yeah. I just forget, like, well, what was I trying to do and where was I? Because I was already... 10 steps forward and now I'm back here and did I do this and I, did I do that and that's bad it is bad and it's the number one complaint about that game on the in the comments oh really so people are writing in about it yeah Hopefully the patrons of update. Sega forever are writing in about it they need an update but maybe I almost want to keep it on my phone just in case an update happens they'll fix that issue but I don't know I'm gonna say that you're doing the right thing at the moment because I have seen maps of the later dungeons in Phantasy Star 2 and they are um, alarming. So I, you wouldn't want to get into that situation and have your save be oh, man. a yeah. problem. But oh, thank yeah. you Utopia Nemo for rescuing Josh yeah. from that unfortunate situation. So sad. I was playing a Genesis game on my phone. I'm like, I know whatever. the future is here. Yeah. That's Anyways. sad. I'm so sad for you. It's but a, you know what? I'm sure game. they're gonna fix it because they're just yeah. rolling this out. I think it's a really cool initiative, by the way. I've seen people on the internet going in either direction on whether Sega Forever is good or not. I don't see how it's bad. How is it bad unless you're holding on to the hope that Sega will create physical games again? People are being pretty picky, but um, I played only Sonic otherwise. Honestly, didn't I did download Comic Zone and I decided not even to try because I didn't want to use the screen joystick. Mm -hmm. uh, for a game like that. And I, I deleted Sonic because I didn't like doing the screen joystick on that either. But right. I guess... Um, I can understand that too. I can understand the interface not working. But, but there's, I, a, like a, there's a little peripheral for it that... Even with that though, people have complaints about frame rate drop... Frames dropping. Which mm -hmm. is pretty important with Comic Zone, you know. You gotta be fighting pretty tight, which you know. Right. From beating it. Did you know that the the actual cartridge of Comic Zone has a game-breaking bug? Oh, no. I, I had this problem, and I had to look it up on the internet. I found maybe two people talking about it. But if you play... And I thought maybe I got a reproduction cart, or there was something wrong with, with you know, the actual physical copy that I got later when I picked up... So, that, so all right, let me go back to the beginning. I bought a cartridge only of Comic Zone because it was there, it wasn't expensive, I always wanted to play the game, picked it up. 
and it had this issue where sometimes the game would randomly reset. So I would just uh. be in the middle of the game, and then all of a sudden I'd be back at the Sega logo. And that was so upsetting! So, um... Later, I bought a... I think I figured it out in between. So I looked on the internet, and I found some people talking about it who said that it was specifically the Genesis Model 1 that had this problem with Comic Zone. That if you had a Model 2, or if you used a Nomad, it wouldn't have this resetting problem. So I played Comic Zone on my Nomad and did not have the resetting problem. And that was great, so I beat the game on that. <laughs> Later, when I bought a complete in-box version of Comic Zone because I wanted the box and the manual, I tried that cartridge just to see, just to compare to the first one, and it also had the same resetting problem in my Model 1 Genesis. So it's definitely in the code for some reason when it interfaces with the Genesis 1 that that happens sometimes. Terrible. I know! It's exactly like your Fantasy Star experience. It was just like, that is a... That is one of those moments where you just take the controller and you just throw it up in the air! Because what are you even gonna do about that? And, and it's you... your only game. Yes, yes. All summer you're stuck with this one game. Because <laughs> you broke your leg. Anyways. Oh. All right, well, speaking of breaks, um, the floor is cracking here. So I was thinking about putting some, pouring some new concrete to try mm. to get us over this, Ow. this disjointed, oh, be, ca be careful. Gosh, I'm... don't trip. Don't make it worse. Are you just going to roll over it? Actually, man, I got a little concrete on my cast here. Actually, maybe I could put a little more. What are you, you trying to do? you think having a concrete leg would be like an upgrade, maybe? <laughs> maybe. Maybe you have to equip the concrete. Sweet. Yeah, I don't think we would have been able to figure that out without the manual. <laughs> Except that you just did, so good job. Now we're just going to be mowing people down as we go through the overworld. All right, continuing on through the overworld. The next track comes from patron Capsule J. The game is Kamiko. This is the ending theme. I could not find composer information, which surprises me. Maybe I was just doing my search poorly, because this is for the Nintendo Switch. So this is very new. That information should be out there somewhere. Um, but in the meantime, let's listen to this track from Kamiko. This is the ending theme for the Nintendo Switch.
Ooh, that ending. I like that. Capsule J says, Since I don't think we've heard anything from the Nintendo Switch yet, I thought I'd recommend ending theme from a little indie gem called Kamiko, which has a stellar soundtrack throughout. To date, I'm pretty sure Kamiko is both the cheapest and shortest game available on Nintendo's new system. This is okay, though, because it means that the game's jams per hour per dollar score, an important video game metric, is very high. However, ending theme left me with the following question. After only an hour and 16 minutes of work, did I truly earn a celebratory track this sweet? <laughs> I really like this song. Mm. We've heard some music like this on uh, recently, I think, and since the what is it the bubble bobble challenge yes or like that. yes this immediately brought me back to california yeah driving around with uh you know a gundam model in my backpack it's got the idealized video game sound you know like i uh, wonder what that is like i wonder if that's a specific patch that people have like video game nostalgia patch number five because you're right, it is exactly the same. It's almost like a windier sounding NES sound. Instead of it being so... It sounds like the NES tone, but it sounds like it's being played through a wood flute or something like that. Yeah, it's softened up. It's being played yeah. through like soft focus and sparkle filters. Yeah. I'm trying to just, just cram in, I guess, as many Homestar references as I can in this episode. But that's what I think of with some soft focus and sparkle filters. <laughs> That's nice. I think I could listen to this all day. I Ooh, think, you know, going... <laughs> yeah, Josh is just going to go to sleep. Um, uh, as to this question about is an hour and 16 minutes of work worth a track like this, I think this is an interesting counterpoint to an issue that we've spoken about before on previous episodes about games that have great music that most people just can't even get to because there is no sound test and it's buried really far in the game or it is the ending track and most people just never got to hear it yeah so if you're gonna have the opportunity to hear a song like this instead of it being locked away forever i say yes i approve of that world Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, this is our first Switch track as well. We have not played a Nintendo Switch track. Cool. Yeah, listening to this song makes me want to look at my uh, my my Pokemon roster. <laughs> Just go through them, read their stats. Yeah. Check out their moves. Make them do a little wiggle. Yeah, maybe get rid of some. <laughs> no! Clean it out. You gotta clean it out. Does this make you feel like you're at the ranch with the shinies? Not really, huh? No, this this really does just... I, I guess I will forever have this sound associated with Southern California now. Yeah. Because all yeah. I can think of is driving. Well, that's the thing. The I used there. to play the Bubble Bobble soundtrack a lot while I was playing Pokemon Go. Oh, funny. So that's why I have that association. Yeah, this is a really good track. I like this a lot. Yeah. Okay. I got a text from you last night 
and I gotta know what happened. A text? Uh, a message. Yeah, it was a message. And you said, I think I'm gonna be... <laughs> what oh, you yeah! Say? I think I'm gonna be... Um... What is that game called? Ultima 4. Yeah. I think I'm gonna be Ultima 4 tonight. And I said, okay, good luck. It was like 2 a.m. your time, I think. Yes. <laughs> you said, like, Godspeed. Oh, yeah. So what? And then I, f- did you see the next message I sent you? Yeah, you're like, oh, man, I have to go to bed. <laughs> it was five o'clock in the morning. And I'm, and all right, so yeah. let's, let's segue messily into mm. reading the runes. Okay. Yes. At five o'clock this morning, my time, I send Josh a message and I say, I'm in the final dungeon, but I'm so tired I have to go to bed. I literally could not do it. I was in there with my party. We all look fabulous. We all have our mystical robes on. We've got our mystical weapons. But it became clear that the final dungeon was not going to be just a celebratory lap around the stadium. It was going to involve a lot of work. So I just couldn't do it. I had to go to bed. But going to go back a little bit and bring us up to, I guess, where I am now. I don't I don't remember how I've been telling uh, my adventures with, with Ultima 4, if I've been doing it in any kind of chronological order. I think I've just been talking about what was on the top of my mind. Well, but, when we last talked about it, I think we didn't even know that there was a chronological order. We thought you just had to max out your characteristics or something. Yeah, I had to max out my characteristics, get some stuff, go to a place, do a thing... And then become the most enlightened person in all of Britannia. Uh-huh. So what I've been doing the last couple days is getting the stuff that I need. I need to get some stones and some items. I finally did all of the dungeon crawling to get these stones. Um, I got I got a little burnt out on the dungeons, I have to say. I started getting a little bit lazy. So, so here's the thing. You were talking about playing Fantasy Star 2 on hard mode. Mm-hmm. I started the game as a fighter. Uh, that's my class. So when it's just me and the party, I'm a fighter. Fighters have zero magic points. No magic points whatsoever. So I basically, like, learned how to bludgeon my way through the game without relying on any tricks with the aid of magic. Mm-hmm. And I've never really learned to think magically. Um, so... When I was mapping out the dungeons, were you, were you mapping your Fantasy Star 2 dungeons, by the way? Or were you just doing it in your I, head? I usually map by feel. Okay. Yeah, which is You map weird. by feel. I was going to explain that, but don't worry about that. Okay. You were so, mapping them out. Yeah, I was physically mapping these. And in the beginning, I was mapping the dungeons all manually. So I was exploring them all and, you know, mapping it square by square. Eventually... Maybe after my fourth dungeon, I figured out that there was a way to actually see an overworld map of the dungeon while I'm in it. So then I started getting lazy, and I started doing that on every floor just so that I could see the map and write it down. But this caused problems because the kind of visual key that the game uses is different than the way I was doing it, so now my maps are kind of inaccurate, or I don't know where I've explored. It's kind of made it more confusing. So for these last few dungeons, I've gone back to the manual-only way, which has helped me out. 
Um, but I think that's funny. I have a friend on Racket Boy who, who just played through Ultima 4 as well at the same time I was doing it. And he started as a magic powerhouse class. And his experience with the game has been completely different than mine because of that. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, what? what is the spell that helps you maintain your sanity in the dungeon? What does it do? There's a, there's a spell and there's an item. You can buy items that will show you a view of the map or you can cast a spell. Oh. <laughs> the item for viewing the overworld, I didn't even know existed until I was in my third to last town that I had to explore. Mm. And I didn't really know what it did. I wound up using it by accident and then being like, whoa, a map! Fancy that! <laughs> so <laughs> I'd gotten through the majority of the game without the aid of that. My friend was a mage to start the game and he figured out how to cast the spell that would allow him to view an overworld map. But also... I, I have been playing this game as an avatar from the beginning. Like, I was the squeakiest, cleanest person possible because I'm trying to get up these virtues. I'm trying to be a good person. Apparently, the easy way to play the game is to be a complete jerk, like a real big jerk, just killing everyone, stealing all money because your virtues can't go below zero. So... You steal a ton of money, you become rich, you buy everything you need, you kill people for experience, you level up, and then you start being an avatar, and then you start being a good person, mm. and then you grind your way back up to maxing your stats. I didn't do that. So I have been perpetually super poor and didn't even have, even when I figured out what a lot of these items did, did not have the ability to buy enough of them to be useful until very recently. So, yeah playing in hard mode but that's the point it's supposed to be difficult i think i talked about that before it's supposed to be difficult but um the one thing i did want to talk about that i did last night was i found what's called the lighter than air device in the game it's basically a hot air balloon and you need it to get somewhere but you can't like drive it because it's a hot air balloon so you can't, you know, like when you're in a ship, you just, you press the directional button to sail in different directions. Um, you can't do that in the, the balloon. So you have to get your magic, magic user to constantly cast wind and change the wind direction to push you where you want to go. Uh -huh. But then the wind just kind of randomly changes while you're mid-flight. So hitting this tiny one square spot that I had to hit was so difficult. Because to cast wind, you have to do, you have to, on the key, keypad, you have to uh, press C for cast, the number of the person you want to cast the spell, W to cast wind, and then press a direction to, you know, activate the wind coming from that direction. So it's not fast. There's no hotkey for this. So um, it was kind of a, a chaotic mess. And I just imagined, like, people down on the overworld just hearing people shouting at each other above their heads and seeing this balloon go by and hearing me be like, Mariah, cast that way. No, I don't mean to the east. I want to go to the east. Make the wind go from the west. And then just this balloon just like kind of crazily weaving through the air. So I guess that's what you get when your avatar is completely inept when it comes to magic. But we made it. We did it. <laughs> But uh, I just think that's really funny. I have this whole idea of what my avatar is like. My avatar is very much part Homestar Runner, very naive, very bad at magic, 
very behind the times. So I feel like my, my party is face palming a lot as I'm trying to just walk my way through sleep fields instead of dispelling them and falling asleep every step I take. And then waking up and taking another step and falling asleep on another sleep square until I get across the room. And my spellcasters are just like, seriously? We can just get rid of those. So, I don't know if any of that made any sense. Um, I have done so much in between the last time I talked like about it. It's like a magic eye picture. Yeah. That the, uh, it, go, it goes in and out of focus a little bit. Right. It's hard. It is hard to sum up everything that I've been doing. Because I'm playing in... When you start playing, you get really into it. And you wind up playing for many hours in a row. So to sum that up is just really quite difficult. And I don't want to give too much away either. But, uh... Yeah, but so as it stands right now, we are standing outside the entrance to the final dungeon. My full party in our matching outfits. And we're ready to do this. All right. So hopefully the next time we read the runes, I will uh, let you know that I've succeeded. And if you never hear from me again, I'm sorry. It's been really fun doing this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to our next installment of Reading the Runes. But now, it's time to go. Um, so thank you, everybody who recommended tracks today, and thank you to all the patrons. Uh, but those who recommended tracks today included Spritz, Nathan99, Sparadin, Polyester Ties, and Capsule J. Oh, and I also wanted to mention, did you see that email oh, we yeah. got from that patron named Nick? Mm-hmm. I don't think that Nick has recommended any tracks to us. Do you want to talk about this? Uh, yeah, I guess um, I got a, we got an email from somebody who was listening to our show while they were cutting down a tree on a ladder. And um, I guess the branch took out their ladder as it fell, and they fell to the ground 12 feet and broke their arm. Yes. So I, this I could is... imagine this happening in my mind, and it was uh, kind of disturbing. Uh, well, I was really worried. You know, obviously when we opened up the email, we could see that there was an x-ray attached. Yeah. But when I was reading the text and he mentioned a chainsaw, I was like, oh my god, no... Please. (laughs) So luckily, he observed proper safety protocols and did not sustain chainsaw damage. Um, Like that Double Dragon 2 boss, I guess. But so that worried me. But yeah, I mean, um, the email was very funny because he pointed out that he's also your age. He was listening to VGMJB when this happened, and it happened right around when you broke your leg. So his his theory was that maybe something has gone awry with Haju and Haju is is haunting you guys in some way or causing some kind of supernatural occurrence. I don't know. The world's after us, 37-year-olds. We're in our prime and uh, just a reminder that the game of life that we're playing is kind of hard sometimes. Yeah, their safeties are off on this holodeck. Yeah. His arm looks like it's doing good. I, I think it looks like he's doing good. I don't see the breaks in his radius right here. But yeah, I see his it lo- cast. you're right. In that in that X-ray, it looks like everything is is uh, lined up perfectly. And also, 
He's got an orange cast. I don't know if that was an homage to us, but an homage to us definitely on his cast. He wrote at VGMJB. Oh, I think he just did that for the picture. Yeah, but it's on there now, right? He didn't, like, wash it off afterwards. It's probably still on there. Yeah, so we did uh, virtually sign that, so please don't wash it off, Uh, (laughs) Nick. We virtually broke your arm, but then we signed the cast in an attempt to make up for it. That's (sighs) crazy, man. I'm really glad, Nick, by the way, that you didn't hurt yourself in any other way from a fall like that. That is scary. Yeah, yeah. That could have gone very, very badly. Careful out there, everybody. That goes for everyone else who submitted us suggestions. You be careful, too. And uh, keep submitting to us. You can go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com, and click the Suggest a Track button, or go to submit.thevgmjukebox.com to send your recommendations our way. Send us an email at insertcoin at thevgmjukebox.com, and don't send us snail mail at our P.O. box, because Josh cannot physically get there. But just in case you want to write it down for the future, it's 26959 Los Angeles, California, 90026. And so far, nobody's gotten injured uh, submitting a suggestion. So that's one of the safer activities you can do these days. (laughs) Uh, Follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. And if you want, you can find us on Twitter as individuals. I'm at Josh Adachi again. Emily's at Keyglyph. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher, and please remember to rate and review our show at the iTunes store. Join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash the VGM Jukebox. And be sure to check the bulletin board at the end of the episode to see what music and video game related projects your fellow patrons are up to. If you'd like to be on the bulletin board, just let us know through Facebook or email. And we'll see you next week. Um, Let's... You know, now that we got this boulder out of the way, let's go. Get my crutches. All right, do you need me to? Uh, do you need me to carry you? No, I got I got these crutches. Okay. I found them in a bush. <laughs> awesome, cool. Just let me know if you need any help at any point. All right. Well, we'll Great. see you, patrons, and uh, as you all know by now, you mean so much to us, and you always will. Bye. <laughs>